are not able to be here tonight. There are several who are sick, and um, some, a few people have COVID, other people have colds and flus and uh, infections, and, but here we are in the house of the Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad you're able to be here tonight? And they are watching online, so we want them to know we are praying for them. Everybody that's praying for your brothers and sisters, say amen. We're praying for them, and so by Sunday, we can all be back together in the presence of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Genesis, the 22nd chapter is where I'll ask you to go, Genesis chapter 22. While you're turning there, I'll remind you that the last Wednesday of this month will be our... Um, our business session actually I hate to call it that because we do very little business it's mainly going to be a meeting uh, where we're going to talk about where we've been and where we're going and we'll do a little bit of business in that but you'll want to be here for that if you're able to be here on the last Wednesday at 730 last Wednesday of this month 22 look at verse 17 Now, this is the Lord speaking to Abraham, and you'll recognize it as the Lord giving Abraham that famous promise of blessing, where he says that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. I want to ask you to pay particular attention to that last phrase in verse 17, where the Lord says, Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. By the way, uh, Paul brings you and I into this conversation in Romans 4, we won't take time to read that, but in Romans 4, Paul ascribes to you and I the spiritual aspect of this promise and this blessing. Now, to Abraham, the Lord gave this promise and this blessing in a physical nature. He said, your literal children are going to be blessed and multiplied, and I'm literally going to give you everywhere. He, he promised Abraham, everywhere that your feet will walk, he said, it's going to be yours. Amen. So he says, I'm going to cause you to possess the gates of your enemies. Paul says that not only does that apply to the Jews in a physical way, but Paul says that that applies to you and I in the spiritual level. Thank God. So Paul tells us that spiritually we inherit this blessing. Now the blessing is multiplying. The blessing that's promised to Abraham is I'm going to multiply your seed. So the promise, uh, rather the blessing, is the multiplication. Everybody say multiplication. That's a long word, but we can say it together. And then the promise is that possessing the gates of the enemy aspect. So the blessing is the multiplication, and the promise is the possessing of the gates of the enemy. I'm thankful to know that God brought us into that same promise. 
Amen. Spiritually. Now, in Abraham's day, God was talking about physically multiplying. Think of this. A man who has no children as of yet. He says, I'm going to multiply your descendants to the point where just like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky, you will not be able to count them. And, and Abraham had no children, and he was getting up in age already. In fact, he was up in age quite a bit when he finally had his first, or, or he had uh, Isaac. But, but um, to Abraham, it was a physical promise of bodies, human bodies to you and I. We can tap into this promise. And for Abraham, it was bodies. For, for you and I, it's souls. For you and I, we, we are promised a multiplication. If we, if we apply ourselves to the promise of God's word, we will see a multiplication of souls. And just like Abraham said, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't understand how you'll bring it to pass. God tells us in the New Testament, if you'll go work for it, if you'll trust me, if you'll spread the gospel, he says, I'm going to bring them in. Didn't, didn't the Lord add to the church for the apostles' day? Add to the church daily such as should be saved. And if he did it in the apostles' day, come on, somebody. I believe with all of my heart he's going to do it in our day. And somebody said amen if you claim that. So the blessing is multiplication. The promise is the possessing the gates of the enemy. And Paul says that not only was it for Abraham and his seed physically, but it is to us in Christ spiritually. Now let me show you this in Matthew uh, chapter. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16. I'm just going old school tonight, going through some scriptures with you that the Lord's been dealing with me about. Matthew 16, verse 15. So while you're turning there, um, in Abraham's day, you've got to keep in mind, when Abraham was receiving this wonderful promise from the Lord of blessing, multiplication, possessing the gates, he had no land at this point. He was just traveling. And the Lord told him, as I already said, the Lord told him, I want you to walk. Everybody say walk. This is important here. Walking, going, moving. He said, I want you to walk throughout the land. He said, everywhere that your feet step I'm going to give your seed that land. That's why we call it the promised land. It was promised to Abraham. Abraham didn't realize the promise. He didn't see it come to fruition. But his children's children's children would see it come to fruition. And through his seed, he would bring that promise to pass. But in Abraham's day, when he was receiving this word from God, it was a day of, in, in, in that time, it was a time of great building. In fact, during this time was when the Egyptians were building the pyramids. Uh, during this time, there was great, men had knowledge of how to build. There were, there were cities that, day, that, that Abraham was walking around witnessing. Cities with great walls. This was the time that Jericho was being built. The city of Jericho and the walls of Jericho were being built when Abraham was walking around, told by the Lord to go, to go, to go, pilgrim through the land and, and check out the land, survey the land and everywhere you go I'm going to give it to you. So Abraham's not just walking around looking at uh, this, this, this vacant empty land nor is he looking at cities that are wide open and just puny little people barely hanging on. He sees cities that have great walls and great commerce and great wealth and great armies and God says wherever you go I'm going to cause you to possess the gates of your enemies in other words he's saying to Abraham I don't want you Abraham to be put off 
uh, when you see the impregnable walls of, of these cities. I don't want you to look at those great walls and steer away from walking there. Because if you walk away from there, I won't give that to you. But if you see something and you walk, it doesn't matter how, how big it looks. It doesn't matter how impossible it seems. I didn't ask you to survey it to, for its possibilities. I'm telling you to march. And wherever you march, God says, I'm going to back it up and I'm going to give it to your seed. So don't be put off by the size of the walls. Don't be put off by the size of the people or the armies. Go ahead and walk. Everybody say walk. Really what we're doing, we're marching. Because when you walk, you can just go out and walk and take a walk and not really go anywhere. You'll end up at the same point. But when you march, if somebody says march, it means walk with a purpose. If you've ever been in the service, they tell you to march. You don't, you're not just taking a casual walk. You're marching with purpose. You have a certain stride, and you are going to a certain place, and you're doing it for a certain reason. Even if the sergeant doesn't tell you why, he knows why. And so really what we are doing, what Abraham is doing, he is marching through the land to survey not what he has yet, but what God is promising him that God will give him in the future. So don't be put off by the size of the walls. He says, I'm going to cause you to possess the gates of your enemies. Now, these great cities with their great armies. And, and, and by the way, Abraham would have been journeying through the land of giants. He would have seen great men like Goliath living in those days. And yet God says, I don't want you to be put off by that. I'm not giving you, Abraham, a spirit of fear. I'm talking to you, and if you will believe me, if you'll have faith in me, God said, in fact, God said, and Paul reiterated that if Abraham believed God, God would impute it unto him as righteousness. The whole covenant between God and Abraham was based on faith. God said it, Abraham believed it. He had no baptism in Jesus' name. He had no infilling of the Holy Ghost. He had no gospel being preached. It was just God said it. Abraham believed it. And God said, I'm going to honor your belief. And he imputed it. That He laid it to his record, righteousness. And the same thing that made Abraham viable in his day makes the church powerful and efficacious in our day. That is, if we believe God, there's nothing that can stop the church of the living God. If we believe God, our faith, God says, I see your faith. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to give you the things that I promised. Somebody said, amen. So when he sees these walled up cities, in Abraham's day, in the land of Canaan, where he was marching, that God would eventually give them, there were no less than 30 cities with each of them having a king. In those days, it wasn't big nations like we have today, but cities would be walled up and cities would be reigned over by a king. And kings might go to battle against other cities and try to, uh, try to have victory over that city and they would over and they, if they were able to overthrow that city then that kingdom would extend itself to that city and there might be an entire kingdom comprised of several cities that just depended so you can imagine 30 kings around Abraham's where Abraham is walking he sees a king here and a king there and a king there and this one's fighting against that one and this one gets victory over that one and God's saying everything that you see I'm going to give it to you and in those walled up cities with great walls fortified walls the weakest point in the wall would be the gate. There had to be a point of entrance and exit for the people of the city, and that was the gate. There was one place, one place that might be somewhat, 
well, it wasn't weak, but if there was a point you were going to attack, it would be the gate. They would fortify the gate as much as possible, but the gate was usually on hinges, and it was mobile, and it, was, it moved quite often. It required a lot of maintenance uh, to keep it, and every time you opened the gate, you had to, you know, they didn't have security cameras. They didn't know what might be lurking outside there, <clears throat> waiting to come in and attack. So the gate was a big deal. If an army came against another city, they would most likely try to storm the gate of the city. So the gates were given great thought, great care, built very strong and, and, and thick and so that the other kings couldn't come in and just take them. And this is what God is saying to Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you the cities. And when he said, when he said that I'm going to give you the gates of the cities of the enemy, what he's saying is I'm going to give you city after city after city after city. Now, I'm not going, you're not going to see these kingdoms fall now, but Walking by faith. Have I, have I mentioned this lately? That it happens in faith before it happens in reality. It happens in your spirit before it happens in the flesh. And so God is saying to Abraham, you've got to believe me now. And you won't even see it happen. But you're, you're going to have a son. And he's going to have a son. And he's going to have sons. And they're going to have children. And pretty soon you're going to have more children than the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And they're going to come in and possess this land. You are doing something for your children when you march by faith. I claim this by faith. I claim it by faith. I speak it by faith. God, whether I see it or not, it's going to happen. If I don't see it, my children will see it. If they don't see it, my grandchildren will say, I don't know, but I know I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. And if you've called me to march, I'm going to march. If you tell me to believe, then I'm going to believe. And I'm just going to leave the rest. We've got to learn to do this. Leave the rest up to the Lord. We do what we can do, and then we trust the Lord, right? Do your best. and Give the Lord the rest. And watch him work. Amen. Matthew 16. Watch this. Familiar scripture, verse 15. Man, I've used my iPad for so many years, and I'm going old school tonight. I forgot how much I used to lick my fingers until I can't lick them. I don't really don't want to, I don't want to lick my fingers tonight. Unlike some people that I see at the buffets, when I do venture out, can I rant a little bit? We got time. When I, I have ventured out to a few buffets, and it amazes me how many people still in this, in this germ-riddled world are licking fingers and touching the spoon that I have to handle. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. It has nothing to do. I just don't want to lick my fingers even up here by myself. Maybe somebody's watching that needed that. Bless God, I feel it. <laughs> it, it was never a good idea, but especially now. March, Matthew 16, 15. Keep me in the word, Brother Worthen. You, you're the... You've got to snap your fingers when I get off on one of those tangents. You're, you're, he's like, you're all right. I don't like that either. <laughs> he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? You recognize this conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus is asking them, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Elisha, uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now watch this in verse 18. You know this scripture. And I say also unto thee <clears throat> that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this rock. Now what is the rock? The rock is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. 
And upon this rock, upon the revelation, I will build my church. Who is the church? We are the church. Peter was the church. The apostles were the church. Those people that were added to the church that first day, guess what? It says they were added to the church. So what were they? The church. The next 5,000, the church. The next 1,000, the church. The next million, the church. People added to the, added to the church means you are part of the church. Amen? So the church, he said, I'm going to build. Whose church is it? We're the church, but we are his church. He says, my church. I will build my church upon this rock. I will build my church. Watch this. Now, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God told Abraham, you will possess the gates of your enemies. God tells Peter the very same promise in a little different words. He simply says, look, in the Old Testament, this is, this is the reality of it. In the Old Testament, my people, the Old Testament church we call them, they were, they were recipients of the promise of the blessing and the promise. I will multiply them. And I will give them victory over their enemies in this church, in this day and age. It's not about bodies. It's about souls. And I believe that God in these last days, we are going to see a revival like we've never seen of souls coming into the church. I'm telling you the church is not fizzling out. I'm going to tell you the church is not wearing out. We may look like we're few in number tonight, but the church is strong. And for everybody that's not here, there's somebody watching online that is clapping and shouting amen because you're still part of the church of the living God and the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Oh, hallelujah. We may have some Wednesday nights. We may have some Wednesday nights where we've got just as many out as we have here because of sickness. Are we still the church? You better believe it. Do we still have the promise from God? You better believe we do. Is God still going to multiply the church? Yes, he is. Is he going to give us victory over every work of the enemy? You better believe he is. Amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Look at, look at Acts 26. Acts 26. Just share with you some scriptures that the Lord laid on my heart. Twenty-six, eighteen. I might have one of you that don't mind licking your fingers come up here and help me with my page turning. Twenty-six, eighteen. Now. This is the Lord speaking to Saul before he's Paul. He's still Saul here. Remember his conversion. The Lord knocks him down on the road, begins to talk to him in verse 14. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And then he says in 15, well, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus, who you persecute. And then in verse 16, he tells him, I want you to go and uh, stand on your feet, for I've appeared unto you for this purpose. To make thee a minister 
and a witness. So I'm in verse 16. Both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And here's, here, here's what the Lord says. I'm sending you. And here's, he's giving Paul his mission statement, really. He says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, to open their eyes and to turn them. Turn them. Everybody say turn. People need a turning point, don't they? And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Think of this now. If this is Paul's mission, this is our mission. We're not just trying to get people to come to church. We're not just trying to tell people, oh, I think you'd have a little bit better life if you came to church. Not at all. We are trying to turn people from darkness to light. We are attempting to persuade people to turn from the power of Satan unto God. Not just have a little bit better life, but to turn from the power of Satan unto God. Let me ask you a question. Does Satan have power? The Bible says that we are to turn them from the power. He has power. People who say, well, Satan has no power, they're, they're being foolish. He has no power over, I understand where you're going with that, but he does have power. And to ignore that is, is folly on our part. Sets us up for failure. And it will cause us to be less effective than we need to be because we're, we're just thinking all the people have to do is decide to come to church. That's not the case in every situation. There are people that you are inviting to church that you think if they would just make up their mind to come to church, they would get to church. That's not always the case. There are people who are bound by the power of Satan. And he says, Paul, I'm going to send you to the very gates of hell. I want you to understand that when Jesus is talking to Peter about the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He doesn't just mean so we can go have better jobs. Oh, bless God, I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to go storm the gates of hell. That's not, that's, that's not why we storm the gates of hell. God, will get, God wants to bless us, but that's not the gates of hell. The devil doesn't, he doesn't want your job. And the devil doesn't want your car. And the devil does, he doesn't, you know, I know he wants your kids in some degree. But, but you know, some of them, well, he's just, want, some of y'all don't want your own kids, you know. You just, they drive you crazy. I know he wants their souls. I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is that, that when he talks about going and storming the gates of hell, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, he's really talking about turning people from the power of Satan. When those kings in Abraham's day, when those kings would go in to those, to those cities, they didn't just storm the gates and go in and just say, well, we're here. You're all, you are all our subjects now. We can count more people in our kingdom. They didn't do that. They, they took captive the enemy. They brought in their own people to inhabit the land. And so we got to understand, this is really what the Lord is saying. We're not just playing patty cake with the devil. We're, 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 out, we're in war with the devil. And we are saying that what you ha have called yours is not yours. We are coming after souls. We're going after Ellettsville. We're going after Bloomington. We're going after, we're not going to surrender just because Bloomington is under some kind of a power of the enemy. That's what God has called the church to do is to go turn them from the power of Satan unto God.
Amen. If they're not under the power of Satan, that's not even really your ministry anyway. We're not looking for other church members. We're not trying to turn them from the power of God in that church to the power of God in this church. We're trying to turn them from the power of Satan. So, yeah, Satan's got a hold on some of these people. And he's just counting on the church just kind of being okay with that. We say a little prayer once in a while. Lord, deal with their hearts. Deal with their hearts over there on the other side of those gates, Lord. Kind of drop a, drop a thought. and maybe, ne- maybe next time I invite them to Easter, maybe, Lord, they'll come. And, but you don't understand. He's got them bound. Man, when Paul went into cities, I mean, he had a word from God, didn't he, Brother Worthen? He says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to open blind eyes. I'm sending you to turn people from the power of Satan unto God. So when Paul went into a city, he didn't just go in there and say, well, throw up a tent and see how many people come out. We'll play some good music and maybe get a good offering and, you know, maybe get some people to sign their name and become Christians, become members. No, he went in there understanding every force of hell is going to come against me in this city, but the Lord's already told me he's going to rescue me from the Gentiles and the Jews and everything the devil tries to throw at me so I'm just going to go in and I'm going to claim the word of God that the gates of hell shall not prevail against me this is war I'm really talking to you tonight about spiritual warfare spiritual warfare my wife and I have been we've been we've had some things on our mind lately that's kind of been weighing on us and um Especially bothering her. There's nothing about the church really, uh, but but it's just something in our, in our lives. And she, last night she said, "I'm just this is really just weighing on me." And I finally said, "Let's just pray about this." And as we begin to pray, the Lord just showed me, you, "This is spiritual." I, you know, I preach, I've been preaching for years, and there's still times that I don't discern it right away. And as I begin to pray, I can just this is a spiritual attack, and it's coming against these people and it's coming against us and it's trying to cause us to be uh, distracted and we just begin to pray and she told me later she said you know I felt that too I felt like that's just the spiritual spiritual attack of the enemy if we don't see the spiritual warfare we will not enter into the spiritual battle so there are some things in your life I will assure you there are some things in your life you think is just carnal you think you think the you know well I just need if, if if I could just get this fixed, or if if that they if my kids would just listen to me. Some of your kids need the the, the power of hell prayed off of them. Uh, I'm not going to get a lot of amens, but right now I'm telling you the truth anyway. Amen. Some of these things are not just they're just rebellious. Some of them they're spiritual things. Some of y'all listening to me out there need to get this too. That the devil's trying to get a hold of them. They don't just have an attitude. They have a spiritual problem. And you need to pray over that. You need to take authority over that. Yes, be a good parent. You've got to correct your children. You need to be good parents and correct your children. But you also got to do the other part of that. Not just discipline. You've got to pray over them. When I was raising my kids, there were nights I, we had discipline sessions. It was me talking. They might get grounded. If they were young enough, they got spanked. Um, but uh, there were other nights I recognized, wait a minute, this, isn't a, this, is not, this is not about getting spanked. This is about praying the devil off of them. Hmm? And so I entered into spiritual warfare. Now, I, didn't, I don't mean I went up in their face or rebuking, oh, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the devil out of you. I didn't. Sometimes we just do that to just to... You know, get on somebody, get on their nerves a little bit. That's not the devil, Tabitha. Amen. 
when Jesus spun around on Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, he wasn't talking to, to, to Peter. It was, but Peter was being used and oppressed by Satan at that moment. Peter's a pretty good guy, but he was, he was under satanic influence at that moment. So you need to recognize this. There are times your kids are under satanic influence. Why do you listen to that music? Why do you talk that way? Why do you watch that stuff? Why do you play those games? Why do you do, why do you, why? get behind me, Satan? Yes, yes, yes. So being a parent means sometimes you got to go in there and say, nope, you're not playing that. Yes, yes. And then in the name of Jesus, <laughs> uh-huh. I take authority over the spirit that makes you want to play that. Right, right. And then you do your best. Now they're going to have to grow up and make up their own mind to serve the Lord, but you better give it your best shot till they get old enough to move out of your house. You got one chance at this. One chance, one chance. That little baby's going to grow up and so fast. You get one shot. And then you've got to turn them over to the Lord and pray. But I'm just telling you, there are, th- there are things you're battling with in your finances that you think is just financial, but it's spiritual. There are things in your mind that you think, you know, it's, if I could just get the right psychiatrist, psychologist, that might be, there might be a place for that. But I'm telling you, there are things that are spiritual battles taking place in your mind so not everything is just a natural battle not everything's just your kids being rebellious not everything's just your finances are a mess not everything's just your your your, the people on your job are just annoying there's sometimes there's spiritual forces at work and you need to fight the spiritual battle not the carnal battle now now let me let me show you this uh so did we finish there so we're turning them from light to from darkness to light from power of satan unto god that they may receive forgiveness of sins this is what it's about so they can be saved. We're not storming the gates of hell so we can get more people. We're storming the gates of hell, Brother Deckard, because we, we want people to be saved from their sins and go to heaven. Forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus says, this is your mission. Now watch, watch go with me now to 2 Corinthians. Just sharing with you a few scriptures that the Lord laid on my heart. 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, Look at verse 3. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, watch the wording here, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, when I was talking to you about these gates and these walls, those are strongholds. So the enemy, or the, uh, they, they've gone in and they've set up, they might go in and conquer a, a city. One king might conquer another king, and he's going to go in and he's going to wall that. He's going to fix all the breaches, and he's going to get a stronghold there in that, in that area. And the devil works the same way. We need to understand that the devil thinks in kingdom terms too. You with me? So he says, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Cast, now watch, watch this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Satan builds strongholds. Where? Where do you think? Everybody say the mind. In the minds of people. And he has taken hold of their emotions, 
and their beliefs. The mind is the gate of the heart. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, is he. so the mind is an important thing. This is where battles take place. This is where the enemy attacks you. This is where the enemy comes against you. We must possess the gates of our territory. Uh, so first, we've got to win the battle here because the, the, battle's come, the devil's coming against us. So our weapons are not carnal. And our, and our fight is not carnal. Our fight is spiritual. We don't war after the flesh, but, but we war after the spirit. Our, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Now watch this. The pulling down of strongholds means, think of it in any term, uh, a stronghold might be a hold that the devil has over somebody's, uh, somebody else's life that you're praying for, but it can also be in your very own mind. That stronghold, and the Bible says we got to pull those things down. He's talking; he's using words here like imaginations and thoughts, right? That's in your brain. You're not going to win the spiritual till you win. You get your heart. You got to get your mind right. You're not going to win. You're not going to win the battle. You're not going to be victorious. I can preach all day long about you ought to smile more. You ought to have more joy. You ought to be happy in the Lord. And that won't mean a thing to you as long as your mind is in turmoil. And so until you get victory in your mind, you've got to pull down the strongholds. And you can do it, but it, it has to happen in the spirit. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. This is your pastor telling you, you have to pray over some of these things. You pray till you break through. You pray till you get a breakthrough. You pray till it comes down. You pray, you speak in tongues, and you speak in tongues some more. And then you get up and you fast. And you fast some more. You pull, you've got to get the determination. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against me. I'm going to battle over this thing. We win it here, and then we begin to win it here. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm telling you the truth. You believe it? Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the, key, the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we must, we must win that battle. Let me show you this, one more scripture, Matthew 4. Talk about spiritual warfare here. Matthew 4. I give up. I had to lick my fingers. 23. Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. So as we go, now, now look at this in verse 24 again. His fame went throughout all Syria. Why? Because of 23. Jesus goes about. He goes. Everybody say, he went. He went. He went. 
Jesus did not just, he wasn't born in Bethlehem, stayed in Bethlehem. He didn't go to Jerusalem and stay in Jerusalem. He didn't say, if anybody wants healed, they can find me. He went about all Galilee, and he went teaching, and he went preaching, and he went healing all manner of sickness and disease among them. And as he did that word, that when it says his fame, it, it, it means the word began to spread. As the word began to spread, people said, what were they saying? There's a man down there, and he's healing people. People are getting healed. Lives are being changed. I heard about a deaf man that could hear now. I heard about a blind man. That could, I heard about a, this lame man that now he can walk. And word began, folks, this is, this is, begin, this is before Facebook and, and Twitter. This is before the evening news. This is, this is his word of mouth. Amen. And I believe in using all the things that we can use. I'm all for the live stream. I'm for it. I'm for uh, getting on Facebook and advertising our church in any way that we can. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to win the Lord just because we are, or win the world just because we live stream. We're not going to win the world just because we're on Facebook and have some cool uh, page or whatever. We're, what's going to change the world? is when God's power is moving through the church. We can have the best website and the best Facebook page and the best live stream, and we won't change anybody's life if we don't have the power of God. The word that needs to go out about the church is, hey, lives are being changed in that church. People's lives are being changed. People are being turned from darkness unto light, from the power of Satan unto God. And when that happens... We don't even have, we don't have to advertise that. I guarantee you if somebody wheeled in here in a wheelchair and, and walked out, if there were 20 people in this room when that happened, it'd be all over town within two days Amen. without even getting on Facebook. Amen, because you go back to work and the first thing you'd say tomorrow, you won't believe what happened last night. Amen. You got, wait till I tell you what I saw. You go to the gym. Oh, I see you over there working on your legs today. Let me tell you about this man last night. He had no legs. Right? First thing, how can you think about anything else tomorrow? Jesus just going around. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. The church needs to be teaching and preaching and the power of God moving through this place. And, we, and the gates of hell cannot stop that. I mean, here's all, it lists the miracles that took place through his ministry. And then it says that his fame went throughout all Syria. And they, so they begin to bring to him all sick people. So here's my point to you. As we go, as we go out into our community, out into our world, the fear of the Lord will go before us. As we're working in his name and things are being done in his name. And we will possess the gates of the enemy. I'm declaring this. We will inherit the land. And many people are going to come to God. But we cannot wait for it to happen. We must rise up and take it. We've got to go storm the gates of hell. We, we, we're not going to do it just by having church or having good church. We're going to do it on our knees in prayer. Amen. Let me show you one more scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy, and I'm done. I really am done. I mean, this will be so fast. I know some of you, when I say that, you're thinking, oh, here's another 20 minutes. No, not tonight. You're going to be amazed. I'm going to be done in two minutes. Sean, two minutes. Don't be laughing at me. 
So as soon as I find it, where are we going here? 2 Timothy 1. Did I say 2 Timothy 1, 7? Okay, watch this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Uh, think of that word fear in a different way than you've thought of it before. Think of it in, as timidity. A spirit of timidity. We're just so timid. We're just so, we're just kind of nervous. We're just, we're just kind of reserved. Think of it as, think of it uh, when you think about the apostle Peter. When they were threatened that if you preach any more in this name, we're going to put you in jail. We're going to kill you if you preach any more in this name. And he just went right on preaching in Jesus' name. Not a spirit of timidity. If he had a spirit of timidity, he would have clammed up. He would never have stormed the gates of hell. And, the, and Paul says, the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love. I'm telling you, and of a sound mind. What I'm saying to you is, if you look at any of the antitheses of these words, power, love, sound mind, that is what will bring us down as a church. What's the opposite of, of power? Weakness frailty, we're puny, we're anemic. What's the, what's the opposite of love? We could say hate, but we could also say just ambivalence. Hope it happens, don't know if it'll happen. If it does happen, it happens. They know where the church is. That's not love. You should be glad the people that prayed for you didn't, didn't think of you that way. Well, if Justin wants to go to church, he knows where the church is. He'll find the church someday. You know people were praying for you to get in church. They were storming the gates of hell for you to find the Lord. Amen? So the opposite of power is weakness. The opposite of love is just ambivalence. Am I saying the right word, ambivalence? Just kind of don't care. And of a sound mind. Think of that. What's the opposite of a sound mind? Torment. Confusion. Right? Can't think straight. A little bit off. And the devil is coming against us and all those things. If we don't have a sound mind, this is really what Paul is saying. If we don't have a sound mind, then we really, we can't go win the world. God wants you to have a sound mind. Not just so you can have a sound mind and have a better life. So you can go do what he's called you to do. I mean, if Peter's walking around acting all crazy all the time. Oh, so, so, so I just have no peace. But you better serve the Lord. Right. They're not going to listen to Peter. He had a sound mind. If Peter walks into the city when they said, you better not preach anymore. And he says, well, I don't know. Don't tell anybody that I'm preaching to you. If we can just meet over here in this quiet little Let me tell you. He stood up and said, no, no, no. That's going to that's gonna cost revival. We're going to stand up. And I don't care what you say, devil. We're going to preach and proclaim the word of the Lord. If he has no love, if he walks into a city and says, well, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to get saved or not. But, you know, let's just have a little church service, see what happens. No. He was motivated by power. He was motivated by love. And he was Fueled by the power of a sound mind, God has not given you a spirit of timidity. Folks, I'm telling you, we can do this. You've got the power to do this. Power, love, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. You need to get a hold of that. Power, love, sound. This is what makes the church go. Think of a locomotive. I can hear it. Power, love, sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. And as goofy as that is, I hope it sticks in your head. 
Well, the rest of you stand with us, would you? Thank the Lord. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I think 2022 is going to be one of the greatest years for the church ever. Amen. I believe it. I believe, I believe those souls you've been working on in 21, it's going to become true in 22. Amen. That's not, that's, not my, that's not my saying for 22. I'm going to get something better than that. <laughs> we'll find something. Amen. It may not rhyme, but whatever God lays on our heart, that's what we're going to go after. But you keep working on that soul. You keep on inviting that soul. Amen. Things are getting ready to blow. The lid's going to blow off this thing. You believe that? Amen. I believe that. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. God, we pray in the name of Jesus, healing upon every sick person that's watching this right now. We pray your healing power in every home and everybody. God, I pray your power protection over this body of Christ in Jesus' name. Now, God, set us on fire. Make us a flame. Use us in these last days. God, as we go against every work of the devil, God, we're going to turn people from darkness unto light. We're going to see people turn from the power of Satan unto you in Jesus' name. And we give you the praise and the glory. Clap your hands one more time. Would you? Thank you. the name of the Lord. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you and you are dismissed in Jesus' name. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock is our next service.